We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Hey folks, we are in the middle of a discussion about the three ways to make sure you increase your long-term customer value. This is not just a nice to have, just to clarify, as Jason mentions later in the show, I think it's worth reiterating, you really need to get this nailed if you have a Shopify store or WooCommerce, your own store in short, because traffic is expensive. And if you can't balance that out with a nice, juicy, long-term customer value, then the maths of your business doesn't work. If you're Amazon-based, then this is something harder to engineer into your business, but it can be done. And again, hugely worthwhile because getting customers is expensive, including getting them from Amazon. We, we generally give Amazon about 40% of our money if you're selling on Amazon as a third-party seller. And that's a big amount of money. So if you can give them less and, and make more revenue, you make more profits. So it's worth it for every type of business owner to really think this stuff through. Not for beginners, but if you have an established business, this could be a seriously valuable episode. So listen up and enjoy the show. Another thing that you can ask yourself is, can you sell them a relationship? So, and we do this at Pixie Fair. I'm happy to share the, a little bit of the numbers here on this. You know, we created a program called Sewing with Cinnamon. It's a monthly membership program and we have a thou- over a thousand people in it. And so they, it is as it sounds, Sewing with Cinnamon and friends actually. And so she'll have people who do monthly teachings and trainings and they're all in the private group together and they have a blast. So that's relationship. Could you do something similar in your business? Could you have a membership program where people get insider info, connection with you, experiences, that kind of stuff with you as the founder or with your core team? And uh, and so that's, that's a whole different group idea. The other thing that you could do is have something like a members club. Like, so for example, like our owners club, Harley Davidson owners club, and uh, they have leather vests and they ride around together and they meet up. Could you have a VIP group that you put people into? And and, and the, the tie into this is an, another question is, can you sell them preferential treatment? Now, you might sound like, ooh, that sounds creepy or weird, but think about what Amazon Prime is. You're paying for preferential treatment. What is a Costco membership? Costco membership, you can't even get in the door if you don't become a member. <laughs> like, you, I think you can get a guest pass like one time, but you, you if you want to, you know, buy in Costco, you you have to join as a member, and then your membership has its privileges, as American Express used to say, or whatever in its commercials. Can you sell them preferential treatment? Really, really powerful concept here that people should think through. Really like that. And and by the way, there's lots of fun things I'm just kind of thinking out off the top of my head. You could combine a sort of preferential kind of club with um, the amount of revenue that people have given you. So, for example, if you're thinking about ways to treat your top sort of 0.1% of of clients who spent, let's say, a thousand bucks with you. You mm-hmm. could call it whatever you want. But you could have a little club for them, and and just make sure that you know you say this is only for our preferred clients or whatever. Yep. That 
there's nothing like exclusivity to make everyone want to be in, in my experience. So there's all sorts of things we can do with you with uh, imagination. I mean, on Amazon, we're, we're very limited in how we do this. Amazon yeah. is not. Amazon is, you know, they are Amazon's customers, which is, again, a reason why you want to develop your own off Amazon. Not so much sales channels necessarily as a priority if you're starting from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yes, eventually you do want your own Shopify site or whatever it is. Shopify probably is the wisest course. But as a halfway house, I think you can do a heck of a lot with a Facebook group to nurture people and email lists. And I think those are the two go-tos. Facebook groups, by the way, very, very underused by e-commerce operators. They're yeah. overused by information marketers. And the thing you can do on Amazon, which has worked extremely well for me, is is rather more primitive, which is for bulk buying, you can do coupons and tiers. And I, but it massively increases the average order value for sure. I mean, so I sold um, stuff for orchestras in the past and, and choirs and music groups. And uh, if I gave them 10% off, you'd often have people buy 20 or 30 units yeah. in a go, which will not, it's not so great for your profit, but at least it increases the average order value and, and the revenue. So it's also a useful way to keep your um, cash you know, conversion cycle going. So the unit's turning into stock. And if you need to increase that, then, then that's a useful hack as well. Yeah, let me just mention one other concept here with the whole idea of selling them more. And we touched on this a little bit as we opened the podcast. But if you know who your top 1% customers are, then you know many you, you can take lessons from many high-end luxury stores where, where they'll have personal shoppers or they'll, they'll just literally have the, the, I guess the concept here is when you know who your best customers are, you transition from generic marketing to personal selling. And if you know who your top customers are, then can you, can you literally sell to them directly in a different way? Like, so for example, you could say, Hey, Hey, top customer. And they know you and, and like you and you, you've bonded with them. You know, we're out of stock right now, but you know, we're reordering and I'm going to have stuff here on, you know, on uh, June 10th. I just wanted to give you the heads up. If you wanted, you know, to have me set aside a few things for you, happy to do that. Now that's a very personalized thing, but if you have, if you have products that are expensive or you just have customers that are really, you know, valuable to you, that personal salesmanship, salespersonship might be very logical. And so it does, I think, in at the highest end, in the top 1%, move from marketing to direct sales and not slimy sales, but like personal, you know, I mean, like you're yeah. there, you're, you're here to help them get what they want from you and they know you and trust you and like you. And it's an easy conversation, you know. I really like this. I mean, I think there's all sorts of options. I know that my wife, because she buys so much for L'Occitane, which is a high-end French sort of organic skin creams and that sort of thing. They're very, very giftable as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go, they open a new shop or they, they got you on the register. There's glasses of champagne and, and discounts and mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of things available, which just really adds to the experience. Sounds fancy. That it's sounds very really fancy. Cool. <laughs> but, that's a, but the thing is that, you know, how much is a bottle of champagne compared to somebody who spent, in her case, mm -hmm. probably thousands and thousands? Yeah. On, on products, it's, it's not that great. I mean, it's, it's going to be 20, 30 bucks, 40, depending which ones you choose, but it's not going to be a great deal. And, and the uh, loyalty you're going to get for that, yeah. the amount of word of mouth you get from that is yeah. fabulous. Yeah. The other thing is this, just as a more, to zoom out slightly, more a principle that we need to look at is that the Paul Graham quote, don't, do things that don't scale is always thought of as for startups. But if you are, if you've got an established business, but you are only scratching the surface of the average order value, average order frequency, lifetime, sorry, long-term customer value piece, yeah. and you realize how deep this goes, then I think you need to start doing things that don't scale yeah. just to find out what these people really love, to yeah. find out more about the life of a person who spends 
ten thousand dollars with a you know a, a doll's haute couture mm. store that's yeah. a very specific person <laughs> you need to know what makes them tick what mm. other things do they buy what other experiences do they like mm. what does their spouse like yeah. i'd really want to know a lot of stuff it's worth the conversation with a person like that it's worth really hand-holding them in a way that is totally unscalable because what you'll find can later be scaled yeah. but i think that's again that that phrase keeps coming up for me in lots of unexpected places and this is one of them Absolutely right. Yeah. No, and I think there's a lot to think through there and it, it's it's very fun. Okay, so let's go on to the big third way to increase long-term customer value. I say it's the best for last, I think, on my little list here. And this is a this is a great, great way to increase long-term customer value. So but I'll start with a riddle. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. You already know the answer because we talked about it beforehand, but here's the riddle for the listeners. If a customer only needs one of your items and only needs it one time a year. Can you ever find a customer that will buy 50,000 units at once? And would you happen to know that customer's last? Hmm. Think about such things. All right. Do you want the answer? All right. So here's the breakdown. If your customer only needs an item once a year, let's say it's a Christmas tree. Christmas, let's say it's a Christmas tree. And they celebrate Christmas. And, and they only need one. And they only need it one time a year. Can you find a customer that will buy 50,000 units from you at once? And would you happen to know their last name? Maybe if their last name was Walton, <laughs> Sam Walton, maybe. Yeah. So you get the idea here, right? Oh, uh-oh, wait, what? If Walmart bought 50,000 units from you, how many customers do you actually deal with? How many purchase orders did you have to mess with? How many you know, closes did you have to do? Uh, one. And so... This is an interesting topic. So here's the the third one. Find or focus on a different type of customer that will buy more. Now, let me break this down for you because this is really interesting in terms of my coaching work with clients. I've been in this situation now with clients a, a good number of times. And so it's a common theme where we'll talk about their customers and we'll talk about who their customers are, what do they know about their customers, all the stuff we've been talking about. And it's not uncommon for them to say, well... Most of my people are just individual customers, direct-to-consumer purchases, you could call that. But but I do have some people who are buying in bulk, and, they, and they're like, they'll describe them, who they are. Now, you know, it might be a, a professional of some variety, maybe a designer, a contractor, a, a doctor, or, you know, some, somebody who's buying on behalf of their business, you know, like they're a school or, you know, a church or something like that, like they're buying in bulk. And so as soon as you have the revelation of somebody like that, that is a different customer that buys in bulk for their, their use, then your mind could just like go crazy with ideas because let's just say, let's say you have a hundred customers and only five of them are buying in bulk because they're professional of some sort, or, you know, they represent a church or a school or a group or, you know, you know, company or something like that. Then, do you market the same going forward or do you change your front end advertising to try to find those buyers? You know, like just all things being equal. Do you like, do you change and say to yourself, Oh wait, I don't just want any buyer. I want those buyers. (laughs) You know, like if I'm going to spend money to acquire a new customer, who am I looking for? Oh, I'm not looking for a one-off customer. Now they might show up, they might buy, they might find me word of mouth or whatever, but I'm going to target strategically and really treat properly these people who will buy in bulk. That leads to wholesaling. That leads to 
you know, finding retailers who, you know, who you can sell to or through it's, uh, it, it leads to different questions about sales channels and on and on. So shifting your focus to a new customer or different type of customer, I think can be really, really powerful in terms of how to increase your long-term customer value. Yeah, I like this a lot. I, I think there's, there's, again, this is a lot of different directions this can go. I guess what you're talking about is going in from direct-to-consumer to business-to-business selling. And mm-hmm. uh, that is a, a path that a couple of guys in the masterminds that I work with have taken. In some cases, one one is mm-hmm. quite deep diving into it. And it helps if you get a kind of obsessive mm-hmm. type of of audience that that i mean walmart's a a difficult one i mean i know that you can sell via the walmart platform on shopify but it's a different thing to try and persuade walmart to take your product on you have to be pretty meticulous on the the product quality and so forth Mm -hmm. and so on but i mean that can be done another option is to to approach much more sort of cuddly people who may not buy fifty thousand units but maybe buy 200 units and then have 10 or 20 of those and if you get the right kind of market that that still is based on physical sales there's a sort of type of customer that likes that physical Mm -hmm. experience especially now we're coming back out of covid in in the uk and the us and elsewhere gradually fingers crossed (laughs) then that's also a a viable market and i've seen people do pretty well with that it's a lot of manual labor and i think that you have to recognize that that lovely automation especially if you're addicted to amazon is not going to be the case you're going to have to build your own procedures work out how the relationships work and then gradually scale that up with a team but i think Mm, the rewards can be pretty good yeah, could be a lot of manual labor. It could also be a lot of automation. So let me describe a scenario for you in Shopify. So sure. let's say that you poke around in the data and you realize, oh, I've got a, my top customers generally are buying. They're let's just say they're they're school administrators, and they're and they're buying on behalf of their school. But you sell a lot to direct to consumer, so you have a blended set of you know a mixed group of customers. Sure, fair enough. But if you can identify those school administrator customers, they might need a different packaging. They might need, they, they might not need packaging. You know, they, they might need a different literal configuration. Like they want 20 packs, they want 50 packs. Now, if you know that you can go to them and say, Hey, what's your ideal order quantity? Well, my, my ideal order quantity would be 25 and I don't need all your stupid packaging and please, you know, please cut down on this, the waste of this. Well, you can create in Shopify products that are not visible to customers unless they're tagged in a certain way. So if you start tagging customers that are the B2B, but it might not be B2B, it might just be like, you know, you know, like like a school administrator. So if you tag those customers and you have products that only they can see, you really set up a system that's completely automated. It's just to- it's just a totally different setup for that type of customer. And honestly, if you can use move 25 units at once with slimmed down or eliminated packaging, like your cost structure is going to be really different. That can all be automated through Shopify site. So you get the idea. I mean, these are the ways in which you start to think about, can I find a different customer and sell them differently? And in that context, therefore, really, you know, blow up my long-term customer value and and profit as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And it's a very interesting hack that you've got on the Shopify store. Uh, in fact, there's so many different ways of doing this. I mean, once you open your mind to this, it's actually mm-hmm. kind of mind-blowing. And you have mm-hmm. to, you know, look at the possibilities, sort through what's realistic, what's the next step from where you're at, rather than yeah. going too theoretical. One thing I would say is is this, that coming back a little bit more to the sort of onesies and twosies, you know, selling direct to consumer and not necessarily having to go and, you know, the, the whole hog yeah. of, of uh, B2B. But nevertheless, I think it's really, really important to think about when you're creating a new product line, 
or a new suite of products or even a new brand. I know some people have one of the guys in the mastermind's got five brands and we have conversations about that, but people do it. I think you've got to engineer this into your business and the type of product you choose is really critical. Another thing to say is that if you're adding um, products to existing product lines to get an integrated product suite, as you would put it, to be a complete provider. Obviously, for example, if you're selling dog accessories like, um, and by the way, there seems to be so many dog sort of she-she shops opening up it's such a thing it's such a trend so if you're selling you know shishi belts and and uh-huh. coats and who knows what which you get in Hampstead, it's a very sort of that kind of area then i would think about can i sell them dog supplements which gets consumed and need to be replenished monthly can i give them flea powder which you need yeah. to replenish monthly and so on and so forth and make sure it's commensurate with the values of your you know if you're into beautiful handmade stuff make sure the flea powder is organic or non-harmful yeah. or whatever it is and i really think that people miss a trick with that because they get very obsessed with doing more of what they've done mm-hmm. in terms of the product type and they don't think about their product centric not customer centric and if you think yeah. customer centric plus renewable slash subscription possibilities yeah and and see where those two venn diagrams overlap then that, that could really over time change the nature of your business to be much more profitable just one last thought on this third concept which is find a different type of customer that's willing to buy more i I had a client once who I was, I mean, I think in general, it's not disclosing too much to just say they, they were selling a utensil type thing, you know, like, like food related utensil type thing. And it had certain attributes. And, and, and so the question in that context is, are you selling to a household, like a mom and dad who are buying for their own little, you know, kitchen, you know, drawer. But when they started to look at the data, they're like, wait, there's restaurants who want to buy this utensil type thing. And restaurants, they can burn through a lot of, you know, that kind of product. So, so that, and that, that is straight on Amazon. You can just look to see, hey, are people selling this in quantities of 250? You know, not in quantities of, you know, 20 or five. And, and, and look to see if there is that kind of selling. Because if you can, you know, I mean, obviously, it's sort of obvious, isn't it? But, you know, if you could sell to somebody who's willing to buy, you know, uh, one pocket knife from you. That's that's one okay thing. Maybe it's ten dollars. But if you can sell to somebody who's you know wanting to buy you know two hundred and fifty, it's just it's just better in every possible way. And so th- you, this can work on Amazon. You can look at the data and ask the question: Is the same exact product being purchased by different people in different types of quantities and packaging? And can you move into that business? Is there an opportunity there? Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the nice things, unlike a lot of the things we've been talking about trying to work around Amazon, is that Amazon's pushing for this. Amazon wants to be seen as a trade provider or business uh-huh. to, to business sales. And you can see on the on the metrics that you get shown in the business reports, they have the business to business uh, unit sold, business to business unit session percentage. It's broken out as separate data. So they actively want you to do this. So for once, you know, if you go with Amazon, you're not fighting the sea, you're not fighting the tide. So that's actually a very, very good idea. And it should actually be more doable than a lot of the things we've been discussing, which is to say, you know, that a lot of the things in the end push us, if we sell only on Amazon to create some off Amazon assets. I've really um, teased up that idea, haven't with, yeah. with this one we really like. Absolutely, oh my God, that yeah. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but what you can actually engineer in the end, what I would encourage people to do is to separate and um, to be very clear-minded about the difference between a communication channel, a product mm-hmm. strategy, and the sales channel. Amazon as a sales channel wants to own the customer and they are getting ever and it's only been like I've been on there seven years now, it's only getting six and a half years. It's only getting worse for us as third-party sellers. And I, I only see 
see that trend continuing. But what we can do is separate the communication channel and the, the, the product strategy from the sales channel such mm-hmm. that, yes, we may use Amazon to sell everything for the moment, but you can communicate with people, upsell them into things, use that as a sales channel, and then have a, a massive suite of products you can sell them into. It's just that the mechanism for up-down selling, et cetera, is not going to be the Shopify. It's not going to be sorry, the Amazon sales page or the Amazon checkout. It's yeah. going to be off Amazon assets. And that is something that increasingly I see a lot of people who were serious Amazon sellers wanted to, to work off Amazon doing as a sort of halfway house that's quite effective if done well. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Great. Well, this is a wonderful conversation, man. I just love it so much. Listener on one of the Facebook groups we can look to see said, can you reference that website name again? And I think they're probably talking about the 80-20. Yes, it's 8020curve.com. For, for the mathematical nerds out there, but I mean, it does show you what's theoretically possible. And to your point, they, to your point that you made, what was the name of the guy who, who said, Bob Pfeiffer, that was it, who, who said, pick the price point, then design the product. Mm-hmm. I think that the 80-20 curve kind of invites that worth thinking. So I really like that. Yeah. So yeah. great. Well, look, Jason, can you summarize those three ways? Because I think they're really good. And the questions, let's just give people a quick takeaway to, to go Absolutely. away and mull over. Yep. The three ways you can increase long-term customer value are resell more effectively. Second way is sell them more things. And the third way is find or focus on a different type of customer that will buy more from you. Those sound so obvious and so boring, but the deep end of the swimming pool is very, very deep. This topic goes way, way down into business strategy in a very interesting way, I think. So there you go. Those are the three ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And somebody, by the way, has asked about the the website, the final plug. I should be getting a, an affiliate feel from uh, Perry Marshall. 8020 is actually the numbers not the words just google it guys you'll find it so yeah yeah, great great topic man this as you said seemingly simple questions or points that when you deep dive go really Mm -hmm. deep as you said you're quite right to to flag this up this is not something to do when you're new because it's going to just blow your mind but i do honestly think that when i look at the businesses that are doing really really well yeah they generally have the characteristics of of uh, the average order value is is decent and the average order frequency is high what i think Mm -hmm nearly everybody misses is how high the average the, the value can be yeah of of a uh, a product that you can sell to the odd you know customers that are the really high-end ones and I, I like the fact we talked about manually nurturing them as well yeah Very let neglected. me yeah sorry just to, to put a capstone on this whole conversation and we maybe should have led with this maybe it's a whole different podcast in the future but the value of doing this work in your business is not to be overlooked because it the cost to acquire a customer they call that a cac cac cost to acquire a customer that is expensive work it will consume so much of your money now if you sell on amazon you don't do that work you don't know how much it costs you don't really have visibility into that but as soon as you go off amazon you realize that acquiring customers costs money and therefore, the profitability of your business is directly pegged to selling as much as possible to as few as customers as possible. You know, you, you don't want a ton of customers. You want to sell a good amount of product to a small group of customers. And therefore, you're more profitable because you haven't had to spend all your money 
to try to find new customers. And that's the value proposition of this work. So we, we probably should have led with that. We probably should have sold this idea a little bit rather than just jump straight into it. But I just wanted to mention that at the end, just to seed the thought, make people think through that, uh, especially for those that are off of Amazon and are spending money to find new customers through Facebook ads and Google ads and, you know, on and on and on. So. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, we did, to be fair, say that we're going to get more money. It's faster yes. and cheaper than, than selling to new customer. But you're absolutely right. It's it's fundamentally critical if you're off Amazon. And if you're selling on Amazon, I think one of the things you should be doing is, is working towards at least a percentage of your revenue being off Amazon for mm-hmm. various reasons, safety, and above all, as we've said today, how much you get from that deep contact with the customer, how powerful that can be. But one thing you've just got to get your head around is the cost of a customer and and therefore if you don't have a suite of products and a strategy in place to you know at least wipe that out if not of course eventually make a profit then you you're not ready to really move off amazon yet or at least it's going to be a more problematic move so i think that's part of the overall thinking that we have to sort of implant in our minds if you're getting off amazon is is this exactly sort of sort of strategy that we talked about as always man wonderful conversation so if you'd like to learn more or listen to other uh podcasts that we do then of course the e-commerce lead com is the place to check it out and, and your favorite podcast listening tool. And then obviously, Michael, your other podcast that you do deep dive work into and interviews for is Amazing FBA. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And the 10K Collective podcast, which basically I've kind of hacked the Amazing FBA podcast channel to mostly do content that is 100% 10K Collective now, which okay. is aimed at six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers, but actually getting broader and broader all the time as Amazon sellers realize they need to get themselves a Shopify or WooCommerce site that we're bringing yep. people in to talk about those topics as well. So yeah, go do check that out. 10kcollective.com. As always, man, great conversation. Thanks so much. Likewise. Yeah, been fun. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels. Just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.